Welcome to the very first episode of Cult of the Cathode Ray, a podcast about television and the experience of watching it. If you're like me, you've been watching a lot of TV in the past year, re-watching old favorites, as well as binging an endless supply of new shows on various streaming services. Well, we here at Cult of the Cathode Ray decided it was time to slow down and savor some of these shows, to discuss what we love about them, and sometimes what we hate. The characters, the plot twists, the weird season-to-season story pivots, it's all here, and you'd better believe we have an opinion about it. Every season of Cult of the Cathode Ray will focus on a different season of TV, discussing and dissecting it episode by episode. With season one, we've chosen one of our favorite mini-seasons of television in recent memory, season one of The Walking Dead. There's a lot we love about this season, and some things we don't particularly care for, so we hope you'll join us for all six episodes. And if you like zombies, and if you're listening to a breakdown of each and every episode of The Walking Dead, you probably do, you may also want to check out our sister podcast, The Video Store Junkies. Now in its second season, we've been doing a deep dive on each and every installment of George A. Romero's Living Dead Saga. You can just search for Video Store Junkies on your favorite podcast provider, or you can go to videostorejunkies.com to find links. Now, back to the show. So with all of the TV that I've been rewatching, you know, some people, when things aren't great, they want to watch super uplifting things. They want to watch happy things. Not me, though. I've, uh, you know, during the pandemic, I've, <laughs> I've been rewatching a lot of really depressing, sad stuff. And of course, what better TV show to talk about that is depressing and sad than The Walking Dead? So this is a show that started in 2010. It's actually still going. It's on the final season. So I started rewatching it. And I actually, after I hadn't watched the first season for, I think since it originally aired. So I actually got very excited to talk about it. So that's kind of, I somehow I talked my co-host here into starting with The Walking Dead. We'll see how far we get. Uh, but speaking of co-host, well, I guess I should introduce myself. I'm Zachary Edgerton, and I am one of the co-hosts on this podcast. But we also have someone else on this podcast. In fact, probably one of about five people that I would actually like to be in a zombie apocalypse with. Uh, Renee, who are you and uh, how are you doing today? Hello, it's me, Renee. <laughs> um, and thank you so much. That's very kind. Uh, and samezies. Um, and uh, I'm good. Thanks. I Yes, I don't know how you managed to talk me into this. I will never forgive you. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> We'll hash that out uh, off off screen, uh, but <laughs> but yeah. So let's let's just get right into it. So of course, like I said at the top, today we are talking about The Walking Dead, and we are starting at the beginning. We we are starting this podcast where uh, the, the the Walking Dead started, which is episode one, season one, episode one, days gone by. So let's see. We're gonna have a pretty loose format on this one. You know, we, we have another podcast where we try to have a format and then we usually just meander off wherever we want to. So the same thing will probably happen here. So let's start off just by talking a little bit about the episode stats. So Days Gone By first aired on October 31st, 2010. So almost uh, almost 11 years ago exactly as of recording this. So, uh, you know, it's actually kind of funny. It's one of those things I actually... Don't feel like it's been that long. Like I know it's in the eleventh season, but it's kind of kind of mind blowing to go back and and just remember that. Uh, yeah, it's twenty ten, man. It, feels... it really is. Yeah. <laughs> granted, granted, the last two years were like ten years, so it's like twenty years ago. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. So according to uh, a very reliable source of mine, i.e., Wikipedia.com, this one this episode pulled in five point three five million viewers. Uh, on its premiere, which I, I actually didn't look up how that actually compared to other stuff, but I think it was I think it was the highest rated cable program that uh, that week. 
It uh, so. was. Oh, okay. Well, you looked it up. Okay. I did see that. And I think it actually did, like, even now, like, still has a really, like, a statistically, like, really high um, rating historically. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. 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 Well, granted, wow. I guess I guess things were a little bit different back then when there weren't a million streaming services and people still watched true. cable. That is true. People, yeah, people still watched any sort of live TV whatsoever. So it was it was truly a different time. So this episode was written and directed by a man that I will be. Uh, you guys will get pretty tired because I'm going to be singing his praises throughout the entire episode because I think that there's a lot to be said for his contributions to kind of setting up the a lot of the good things about the show but uh mr frank darabont which if you're not familiar with frank darabont he has directed a lot a bunch of movies uh he's actually done a couple of other tv shows of course everyone knows that his first screenwriting credit was on the best nightmare on elm street sequel which is nightmare on elm street three dream warriors but he would go on <laughs> he would go on to direct uh really close ties to an author that i really like stephen king so he he directed The Green Mile, he directed The Mist, and he also directed the film that is number one, number one out of about a million, uh, no, 10 million films, let's say, on IMDb. Uh, he, he directed Shawshank Redemption. So uh, that, that is that is always, uh, always floors me that after all these years, that is still the highest rated film on IMDb, which, I, you know, according to people, I guess, who go and rate films on IMDb. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so, uh, and of course, this is based on a comic by uh, uh, Charles. Uh, oh God, I didn't, I didn't even write down their names. Oh, Robert Kirkman. We're gonna, yeah, <laughs> I was about to say Ch Charlie Kirkman. It was Charlie, Charlie Kirkman? That's a person. It was, no, no, it's because it's, it's Charlie Adlard was the the the, the writer <laughs> that came in afterwards. No, Robert Kirkman and, and Tony Moore. Who it, it, there? There's a whole thing that we we're not. I should say we're not really going to go into the comic here, mostly because I actually spent a long time since I read the comic. Mm. We maybe maybe that's a that's content for another episode but yeah so tony moore i think only did like the first couple of issues but then you know he's forever credited as one of the co-creators and i think at some point it seems like there's a lot of legal action around the walking dead we'll talk about the sh the legal action around the show at some point but i think he also <laughs> i think he after the walking dead became like a huge cash cow he uh he may have gotten into some legal action and settled for a bunch of money. But anyways, <laughs> so yeah, that, that comic, I, I believe, premiered late 2003 or early 2004. So the comic had been around for a little while before Frank Darabont uh, adapted it for TV. Could you imagine if you're just like hanging out doing your comic book and Frank Darabont comes up to you and is like, hey, man. I want to make your story into a movie. Yeah. Well, first I'd be like, Frank, how did you get in here? Second of all, <laughs> <laughs> second of all, I'd be like, I don't even care if Frank Darabont was in my house and just like, hey, uh, I want to adapt something that you wrote. I would just be like, oh my god, like, yes, please, whatever you want. Yeah, just take that, it. That would be that would be that would be just mind blowing to me. I mean, especially if you were like familiar with his work. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know anything else you want to add about kind of the specs or the background or the stats on this one. Not too much. I will say, though, I was, you know, it's funny. I I was not familiar with, forgive me, the name of Frank Darabont until uh, a few days ago when I was doing some, you know, looking around and it was like, oh, crap, I did not realize that I did not know this man's name. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, just, yeah, like, you know, Steven Spielberg and it's just common, like all those other people. He should be one of those common household names. Um, but yeah, I was, and for some reason, I, and maybe I was thinking of, uh, of um 
oh God, I'm so sorry, Breaking Bad or something, where oh, yeah. I thought for some reason that this one did not premiere as well uh, as, as it did. It, it oh, really yeah. did. Yeah, it really did quite well. I was surprised. I remember there being so I mean, I was I was obviously I was looking forward to it when it came out because I mean, it was Frank Darabont doing zombie stuff. Mm. So there was there was I mean, I remember being incredibly excited for this. But I also remember like AMC, this was right around, I mean, they had done a few, uh, a few series they had done. God, I know that they had Mad Men out. I think they, Breaking Bad was already out at this point, right? I actually can't remember. I think so. Yeah. So they had, they had a couple of like prestige shows and I know that they were, I know that they actually, I think they put like a ton of money behind this, this show, the actual show itself, but also, you know, promoting it. So, uh, so yeah, I think they, they had a pretty big, um, like marketing push for this. So, and plus it, it premiered on Halloween. And so it was like, you know, if, if you were, if you're like me and you're like lame and you don't go out for Halloween and you stand and watch scary stuff, then, uh, it was kind of a, kind of a no brainer to watch the, the world premiere of this. So. Yeah, no kidding. I was in a place that did not have cable at that time. Uh, <laughs> I was like in the middle oh. of the woods with no cable. <laughs> oh, that actually sounds that sounds like my my dream come true. No, I, I, I didn't have cable at the time. However, I did have a little something called BitTorrent, um, which Ew. obviously I never use anymore. I pay for all my streaming now. Uh, FBI, please don't come after me. But yeah, at the time, I remember I did not have I absolutely did not have cable. But uh, I remember uh, waiting, uh, uh, refreshing the the BitTorrent sites furiously a few oh. hours after the show premiered to to try to get uh, to download it and watch it. So oh, love it. Yeah. So the struggle. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, the struggle. The struggle was real. And now you know. Now I'm just binging it on on Netflix. Which once again, man, things have changed. The world Boy. has changed, much like uh, the world in The Walking Dead. No joke. So, yeah. Yeah. Man. So uh, what's what is this? show about well what is this episode about you probably know what the show is about if you're listening to this or maybe you don't um so maybe maybe this plot <laughs> maybe maybe everything we, we say in this uh this episode will be very surprising although i would hope that you've watched this episode before you listen to this that uh, you've watched the episode of the show before you listen to the episode of the podcast i will say one thing renee and i were talking about this right before we started recording we are going to treat this series as if we are watching it sh- uh, episode by episode. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm not even going to say how many, you know, how far in the future I've watched. But let's just, we're just going to, we're just going to make believe here that we're watching it week by week. And so, yeah, we're not going to give anything away. So if you're, if you're th- that weirdo who A, has never seen The Walking Dead and B, started watching The Walking Dead and was like, oh, I want to listen to a podcast about that and, and found this one, we we will do our best to keep spoilers to a minimum So for future episodes. So anyways, that out of the way, let's talk about the plot of this episode. We're going to, I'm just going to give the, the plot synopsis. I think I pulled this off of the AMC site. I actually can't remember, mm. but uh, so yeah. Uh, so I, I'm, I'll just read this verbatim. <clears throat> After waking from a coma, police officer Rick Grimes finds the world ravaged by a zombie epidemic of of apocalyptic proportions. Nearby, on the outskirts of Atlanta, a small encampment struggles to survive as the dead stalk them at every turn. Can Rick and the others hold on to their their humanity as they fight to live in this terrifying new world? I don't know. Let's find out. Um... Uh, yeah, I, lo- I, I, I love the fact that they, they like make it sound like the, the encampment is actually part of the show where they're only in like one scene, but right. Anyways. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's pretty much the show. So, 
All right, I think our next section, this is something that, uh, well, actually this show will have a lot of things here and we'll just kind of like shotgun through it. But, you know, I one of the things about watching TV shows, and Renee, I don't know if you're you're like me and 99% of other people out there, but I, I tend to binge watch a lot. Things tend to kind of, uh, I don't know, flow together. And mm. I often find myself like, especially on these rewatches, I get very surprised at like I'm like oh man they didn't introduce that character until like much later or you know oh I can't I can't believe that like you know these things didn't happen in the first episode but anyways <laughs> so so yeah we're, I, I thought it would just be fun to do a first appearances section where we just kind of call out the things the uh the, the most of the characters but I guess we can do other things but uh the first appearances for each episode so and then we'll get kind of into discussing these things so do you mind, I mean, do you do you want to do it or do you have a list or do you want me to just go down the list real quick? Yeah, yeah, go on, go on and I'll just shout things out as you go. <laughs> all right, all right. And like I said, we'll, we'll get in depth on these, on, on all these uh, or most of these characters. Um, but yeah, so here's my, here's my, uh, my list of first appearances in Days Gone By. We got first appearance of Andrew, Lick- Andrew Lincoln as Rick Grimes. We've got the first appearance of John Bernthal as Shane Walsh. Got the first appearance of Lenny James as Morgan Jones and Adrian Callie Turner as Dwayne Jones. I might be pronouncing that wrong. I should mention we uh, Renee can vouch for this on our other podcast. I am forever uh, pronouncing names incorrectly and, uh, and always apologizing for them. So I apologize any of the actors that are listening to this and I'm pronouncing your, your name wrong. Come on the show and yell yeah. at me and tell us about The Walking Dead. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we got the first appearance. <laughs> the first appearance of Emma Bell as Amy Harrison in a you know very small role, uh, Jeffrey Dimon as Dale Horvath, Sarah Wayne Callies as Lori Grimes, and of course one of the greatest characters in television history. We got the first appearance of Chandler Riggs as Carl Grimes. Oh, did, I, did, I, did, I, did I miss anything there? Uh, no. I guess the only thing you could potentially throw in would be. Well, you know, because we, now nah, I'm going to say no. It would just be the ominous voice because we don't know who that is yet. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Was, the disembodied I, voice. That's true. We have the the first appearance of maybe another character, but we don't know who it is. Uh, stay and, tuned and I kind of want to give a shout out to that poor horse. Oh, R. man. R. The, R. the first horse. appearance and the last appearance. <laughs> I, think, I think I was actually, oh, man, I should have I should have written this down. I think I was looking in the credits and I think the horse was played by Blade. I'm not talking about the Marvel Comics character. I, I think that, Could you uh, imagine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the uh, and again, this is this is on IMDb. So uh, I don't know if this is valid, but yeah, it says the the Sigurds family horse is played by Blade. Aww. So there you go. It's Wesley Snipes in a horse suit. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, oh, actually, sorry, I just looked this up. Blade. Also, oh, well, we said that we weren't going to talk about future episodes. I'm already going to break that promise. Uh, apparently, this horse would go on to play the role of Nelly on this uh, on this on The Walking Dead as well. So I'm assuming oh, that's another nice. horse. Yeah. Oh. So they they brought him back. It's it's like you know when a director works with an actor that they really like, but the character dies really quick. But then the director's like, "Ooh, I I like working with you so much. We got to bring you back." That was like that was like them and the horse. They were like, "Damn, this horse is good." <laughs> that's a <Yeah>. great horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we I'm I sure like that there's a. Yeah, I'm sure that there was a there was an interview with Frank Garabana. There was like, yeah, no, these these other episodes, they originally they didn't have a horse, but we loved Blade so much, we just rode a horse in there. So they <laughs> have him in there. <laughs> we just, uh, 
Everyone, oh. everyone loved that horse. So yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, I'm sorry. I actually, I, I guess technically we can also say there's, there is technically one other first appearance, uh, in this episode, which is the first appearance of the zombies, because they're, oh, that's true. Yeah, you know, they're kind of a character you could say throughout. That's true. You so, know what else is a character? Oh boy, that Ooh. dang on door. <laughs> Wait, what? The door. <laughs> Oh, the door, the dead, don't dead open inside. Yeah, the don't dead open inside. Oh yes. man, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about. We're gonna get to that in a minute because I think that door is much maligned. So um, oh, we're gonna we're gonna, is, we're gonna hash it, it out over the door. Um, so yeah, well, that's it for first appearances. So let's get into some of those characters a little more in our next section, which we call the living. And so obviously this is the section where we like to talk about the characters who are still alive, not dead or undead, and talk a little bit about the actors that play them. You know, how do we like the performances? And and this is actually kind of a holdover from our other podcast. We're going to see how it goes, because obviously the great thing about a TV show versus a movie is you can kind of talk about, you know, how characters kind of evolve and grow as the series progresses. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. And it's actually one of the reasons that I kind of wanted to talk about this show, because I think that there are are a, a lot of really good characters and a lot of really amazing actors on the show. So Renee, I don't know. Do you want to, do you want to kick us off? Uh, who, who do you want to talk about first? Well, you know, we could probably go, you know, say in our, our order of appearance and, and that yeah. would be a uh, Rick. <laughs> Rick. Yeah. Rick. I always think whenever I think of Rick, I think Rick, Rick, Rick. Cause there was a skit on SNL with, Amy Poehler and Horatio Sands and Horatio Sands played her stepfather and Amy Poehler uh, was like maybe a nine-year-old girl named Caitlin and she would just <laughs> run in circles around him going Rick 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 so oh my god yeah I can I have <laughs> I have I've not seen that skit but I can just see Amy Poehler doing that totally so, I'll have to find yeah. one it's great and you know Horatio Sands he like cracks oh, up god, half yes. the time it's oh, amazing oh god so Horatio, okay, now if you're, and again, if you're listening, this is the first time you've listened to one of our podcasts. This is how off topic we get. But anyways, back to <laughs> Horatio Sands. So here's the thing. It's funny because Horatio Sands cracks up all the time and I love it. But then like someone like Jimmy Fallon cracks up all the time at his own jokes and I, I find him insufferable. So it's kind of funny. I don't know. There's just something about Horatio Sands is like, it's, he's just so lovable that it's I can't, true. I can't be it's mad. Different. I can't be mad. Oh, anyways. It's great. <laughs> Back to, yeah, back to Rick, Rick. Ricky Grimes, good old grimy Rick. Um, yes. oh. Yeah, I don't know. What do, you, what do you have? I have I have I have a lot to say about Rick, but I also have a lot to say. Probably I think he's he's kind of a good uh, I don't know, a good bridge to a lot of the things that actually happen in this episode. So I don't know. What do you what, what kick us off? And what do you think? What do you think of Andrew Lincoln as as Ricky Grimes? You know, I was not really familiar with him before. I hadn't seen uh, Love Actually. You so haven't seen Love Actually? I have not. Oh, my um, God. I, neither, neither have I. I am, yeah. I'm mean, <laughs> familiar. That's, that's like his other big role, though. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I was just so I didn't have any like preconceived notions about this guy, even to the point that I really didn't even know he was an English actor. I was just like, oh, I was just some dude. Um, <laughs> and I know some people pick on his accent a little bit, but yeah. honestly, it really didn't stick out that much to me, probably because I uh. really wasn't thinking about it too, too much. Um, yeah. and you know, I don't know, I guess maybe I'm always used to people doing silly, like over-exaggerated, like Southern accents, you know, I don't know. Um, but there's a lot of English actors in this show, um, looking back in retrospect. Um, but yeah, poor Rick. Um, <laughs> You know, 
poor Rick, he's just going through it, man. And, and, you know, it's, he just wasn't, I don't want to say he was kind of just like, bleh, like he, a little mayonnaise I suppose. Like he just really didn't, <laughs> you know, he just didn't, I need a little more miracle whip. I need some more zip. <laughs> yeah. Um, like a little sriracha in there. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. A, little, a little zip. Um, but poor Rick, he just didn't, uh, but you know he yeah, he did pretty good for you know what he was doing. He's a smart smart fella and and <laughs> yeah, old Rick. I mean, I mean, we get okay. So we we get some basics about him in this in the the first episode here. You know, so he's a he's a cop. He's a sheriff's deputy. Uh, I guess you know, obviously, he loves his family. I, I do think that like there's not a whole lot of character in this first episode, right? Yeah, like there, there just isn't, and that's fine though because he is kind of a vehicle in the in the uh you know the, this this intro to the world of the walking dead he he's kind of like the 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 character that at this point just exists to kind of get a narrative dump for what's going on yeah. so i think it's fine i think it's yeah fine. yeah and i think it's interesting that you know you know I, I thought about it as i was watching it i think it's probably good that he was a cop because he'd be more inclined to see situations where like you'd be more inclined to be maybe encountering dead bodies or things like that versus like, you know, if, if it was me down there and all of a sudden someone like, you know, there's like a half of a body right next to me, I might be shitting myself a little bit. And he yeah, just kind of that, rolled. That's actually punches. true. He, 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 he really does. It's like, does. It's, it's amazing how, blood, and I guess you could say like, he's maybe in shock, I guess. That's, yeah. That's, you know, he's, he's just coming out of a coma. He's, you know, presumably you know got some sort of infection that's probably messing with him but yeah i it's it's uh i i guess that's the that's the excuse that i have for him is you know uh, but also like what are you what are you gonna do what like what are you gonna do right true what are you you gonna do what are you gonna do there's no one there i you you don't have a lot of time to sit there and think about (laughs) it i don't know um which i guess i guess that goes back to like he's a family man so he knows something's wrong he knows something's gone terribly wrong and all he cares about at that point is uh getting back to Lori and carl yes. so <laughs> and it's true and that is really that's when he really does have that moment of like oh god you know that yeah. little that little breakdown is when he you know that gets we'll get we'll we'll get there or when you know when he gets to the yeah. house and they're not there but do yeah we, do we do we want to kind of talk about the kind of because I think I was actually kind of struggling with like how to bring up some of the some of the concepts that are introduced in terms of like what you know what what this world is, and I think that maybe it's mm. actually like maybe like using him since he is kind of a vehicle for like discovering these things. Maybe it's actually like a good a good opportunity to just talk about like his kind of introduction to what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, the, the, okay. So the first of all, I, and again, I I. I I said this when I mentioned his name, I'm going to just talk about Frank Darabont incessantly and how much I love him. (laughs) How brilliant. I actually, I mean, you know, I mean, he wrote and directed this, so I'm assuming he deserves a lot of the credit here. Again, I know it's based on a comic. Yeah, but I know that he, you know, it it wasn't, it's not like word for word, but so I'm assuming that he took some, some liberties. So the first thing I was struck with was like how quietly the show starts. Like, like, it's it's I love the fact that he doesn't so like I was kind of thinking about this like it seems like a lot of other writers or directors would start with that car chase mm. right because that's kind of like especially well especially network television not maybe not so much like cable TV but 
you know, a lot of TV shows these days are like, you got to show something. You got to have an action scene before the opening credits, right? I totally see that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But man, like he starts it off so slowly and so quietly. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of actually appreciate that, that, you know, the and I'll, I'll I'm going to probably mention this multiple times, but I, I feel like the there's obviously a lot of horror in this, but there's and there are a lot of scenes of like peril and action. But ultimately, a world where most people have died or gotten turned into zombies, like it's really just going to be very quiet, which is kind of what we get at the opening. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I thought about that, too. And even beyond the opening, it was just there's not a lot of dialogue in this whole episode, really. I mean, yeah. certain points, obviously, there are. But yeah, it's very quiet. But I guess at the same time, I guess he's not going to really walk around muttering to himself like we do. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> well, I just I love the fact that, you know, it's probably a minute or two before you get any dialogue. And mm. then the you know, the first thing that he's doing is trying to call out to that girl. And then, yeah, and then you get that kind of big reveal. So, yeah, I don't know. And there are a couple of things that I love that he does that like the segues that that are in this. Like the the other scene that I really, really love is the scene with the flowers. Oh, God. Yeah. Just just how he does that cut where like, you know, you, you don't realize there's a time jump for a moment. And then you and then you, get you know, but you see the flowers and it's like a very small thing. But I don't know. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. And it's true because they that that was a terrible arrangement. So I'm glad he called him out on it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I actually did not notice the I, I I'm not familiar enough with uh, with flowers to know <laughs> whether oh, it's God. Whether it was terrible or not. But they were terrible. <laughs> yeah. OK. Good to know. So it actually so they skimmed. It was what really more of the vase, the vase. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I love that. And then so here's here's something else i'm gonna talk uh, i'm gonna like basically just flate frank darabont about and so i think the thing about this show is even if you even oh, sorry, so let's let's back up here i'm i'm a huge zombie fan i'm a huge, huge horror fan obviously you know i know exactly what this i know what i'm in for when i when i watch the walking dead if even if you just turn the channel to a show called the walking dead you probably know what you're gonna get right because zombies are kind of like in the the zeitgeist they're kind of you know they're they're pop culture even in you know 2010 even though walking dead helped kind of project them into even even farther into pop culture right so the, the thing i was really struck by rewatching this though is even knowing what's going on and even knowing like what to expect and you know he, he still manages to give you a sense of dread through rick yes. like through those opening scenes and and normally normally I'm actually I, I, this is actually an issue something I take issue with a lot when whenever a writer has something ha, whenever the audience knows something that a character doesn't and it's not like you know it's not like a clever part of the plot you're just like basically waiting for the characters to catch up with you that's usually a bad thing but in this case I don't know he does a oh man that whole the whole I don't know what what do you think of the hospital scene I'm I, I'm, I've been talking a lot, but uh, yeah, we, we were talking about the like the doors, like the uh, don't dead open side doors. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> like, what, what are your thoughts on this whole sequence? Man, it's it's got you know, you have so many thoughts of like, you know, I mean, first, you know, just and you don't want to get too technical and stuff like this, but it's like, oh, my God, how's this guy even alive? Like all these machines oh, yeah. failed. <laughs> so he's incredibly lucky that he just managed to uh, 
naturally wake up from this yeah. uh, situation um, and incredibly lucky that he did not run into anybody uh, or any, yeah, uh, yeah walkers. Um, yeah, it, it was, uh, but it was really, it was well done. You know, things were, were kind of strewn about and, and just, it was, I don't know. It's hard to describe, but it was, it was really well done. It wasn't overdone. It wasn't underdone. It was, it was, it was well done. (laughs) I thought the the sets told a story. Like that's the thing. Like, like the set, the gunshots and everything. The gunshots, the pools of blood. blood. Yes. I mean, even, even the extremely minor detail of the fact that like when he comes out, there's like a gurney against the door and you're like, Oh, maybe that's how he survived because nothing got in there because there was a gurney there. So, yeah, it's uh it it's uh crazy. And then and then it's like you know, my mind is like the first thing you must think of is like okay, what what the hell just happened? Where is everyone? And of course, you know, probably the same thing he's thinking of like where's my family? Did like did everyone yeah. leave me? What's happening? <laughs> Where'd everyone go? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, yeah, it's like the first, and, and of course also, you know, we we talk about this a lot, but this this show has to take basically this show has to take place in a universe where zombies don't exist right because people have to learn all the like if zombies existed right. in this world and they actually followed the romero zombie rules everyone would just know right you you just would be all set just, oh yeah okay zombies yeah <laughs> we got but, this. Uh, so, so this inherently like exists in a world where zombies don't exist so there's yeah but like like you mentioned like it, he sees that body and this oh man <laughs> for some reason rewatching it like that that hit me harder than it has in the past because i was like damn like he has no context for what's going on he knows something has happened yeah like, something violent has happened but then he sees a body like not just dead not just like violently killed but like torn apart and like i don't know in a way in a way that you <laughs> like my if i saw that my brain would have absolutely no way of like you know rationalizing it right totally totally um and then honestly okay so yeah the, the doors yeah i get it it's funny don't dead open inside but <laughs> i actually i actually think that is an incredibly effective moment because again we know it's happening but man darabont still manages to give us like a phenomenally creepy moment with it yeah. just the fingers coming out and <sighs> The fact that you don't know how many are inside there, it sounds like a lot. Like, it sounds like there are a bunch in there. And I don't know. That's it's very it's almost like creepy. The fact that it's creepier not seeing anything. And I think that's another thing where, like, even though we know it's going to happen and even though he takes us, it takes a while for him to show us any actual zombies. Like, it's still super effective because you're still on the edge of your seat. Mm-hmm. especially like you know he ha- he even has him like the scene where he has him go into the stairwell and 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 light a match and you're like oh my god what's gonna come out at him right and, that yeah. stressed me out and it's like i even like i having no already known like it still stressed me the yeah. hell out yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um and then and then again like just revealing this world like when he walks out of that okay this is this is uh. one of my favorite shots when he walks out of the hospital the slow reveal of he's he comes down the stairs and then you see some bodies and then, you know, you see slightly more bodies and then he goes to that wide shot. And it's just like dozens and dozens and dozens of bodies. It's just like so creepy to me. Yeah. And that's where I'm just like, he's, you have to be drawing on some sort of 
like, I don't know, previous experience or something or just shock or I don't even know because you're just like, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell is yeah. going on right now? And these are like, there's dead people all around me. And I'm like, he's just lucky, honestly, that none of them just decided to animate and roll right. up. <laughs> so well, I, th I think they're, I think those were all the ones they shot, aren't they? I think so. I, yeah. I think they had like a lot of them had like uh, like the ones that had some uh, the sheets covering their faces. They had like the the like blood on the forehead, oh, like, I gotcha. like seeping through. But I forget so that's what, what I thought. Morgan referred to them as like the ones they took down or something like that. Maybe that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think so. I think so. <sighs> so I don't know. I, I think I think this whole opening sequence is super effective. Again, I think I think mm -hmm. using uh, you know grimy Rick here as uh, <laughs> as as kind of a vehicle to kind of reveal this world to us. And again, Darabont, man, he's such a good. Like he's so good at revealing things slowly mm. that the scene with the bodies, and then also just the scene where like Rick's like crawling up the hill, and uh, he, he, yeah, 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 you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, like the military, all the Hummers yeah. and the air or helicopter. Ugh. Yeah, like so, just abandoned camp. Oh, yeah, man. exactly. And there are there are like more bodies and stuff, and I don't know. It's it, you know I think that the the, the one thing about this is people throw around the term like cinematic a lot. Right. Mm. And especially when they're talking about like new, you know, that we are in the golden age of television where television has like big budgets now. And people are like, Oh, you know, this is, this is a very cinematic TV show, but sometimes they're just talking about the fact that, you know, it has a big budget, but I think Frank Darabont actually brings a cinematic sense to this in the sense that like, he knows how to tell a visual story in a way that, uh, you know, you don't you're not actually used to seeing on on tv so i really appreciate that he he really does bring that like cinematic sensibility to it so yeah i would agree i would agree it is it is very much um now now also the cinematographer that he worked with though is he typically yeah. uh a, a cinnamon <laughs> yeah. photographer cinnamon photographer <laughs> uh, yeah well he comes yeah he comes from the cinnamon toast crunch school of filmmaking <laughs> Um, no. yeah, so, so it's actually, it's a great segue. Uh, it, it's actually funny <laughs> you mentioned that because the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about was, so the, the, this episode was shot by uh, David Tattersall who actually only shot, this is the only episode he shot. Okay. So, but he had worked with Frank Darabont before he also shot the green mile and a, another movie that he had made called the majestic. And so, yeah, he, I mean, he was, I think he had also worked on a bunch of TV uh, oh yeah, and also I, I he also direct uh, or shot one of my favorite uh, '90s action films of all time. He shot Con Air. Oh, and, oh yeah, yeah, I know it was a good one, <laughs> and it was actually a really well shot film, uh, especially the slow motion shot of uh, Nick Cage with his long hair blowing in the wind. That popped <laughs> up on my um, my Echo. I don't want to say oh. her name out loud. It, it was a little screen, and I actually have a picture. I took a picture because I thought it was hilarious. Um, cause it's just that picture of Nick Cage with his hair blowing oh, yeah. in the wind. And yeah. she was like, Hey, want to watch this? Just, like, yeah. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah. of course you do. Yeah, of course. Like not but, right uh, now, but yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> just play it on repeat in the background. Totally. Like I do. Yeah. So <laughs> he also, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, he also shot, uh, I don't know if you remember back in the nineties, there was the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Is like the oh. uh, you know spinoff of Indiana Jones, where it's like him as a I guess like a teenager. I don't know. I don't know if you remember that at all. Anyways, yeah. So it was like a '90s TV show, and I don't know if this is coincidence or not, but uh, Frank Darabont actually wrote several episodes for that TV show. So I'm uh, kind of wondering if that's like how he if he met like David Tattersall and they 
I guess, you know, ended up working together on uh, another on, on some of his movies. But, uh, but yeah, so I think I think this the thing I love about I mean, it's kind of amazing. Like, he, I, I, I mean, assuming that he just brought him in for this first episode, you know, to kind of like set the visual style. And I am really glad that he did, because I think that I, I actually love the visual style of like these early episodes. I also love the fact that he shot on 16 millimeter. So he like I've always I, I I didn't know this until I started like going back and doing a little bit of research for this. But, you know, I've always thought, man, The Walking Dead has a very like specific look has a very unique look. And I think it's because he shoots on 16 millimeter and then you get some of that like you get a slight like graininess to it. And that kind of has it's I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, you know, old horror movies that have that like film grain to them. So. Interesting. Yeah, I did not realize that. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, it's that, that's it's nice. I like it. Yeah. And if we're if we're talking about like behind the scenes stuff, it's also worth mentioning the production designer on these early episodes, which was Gregory S. Melton. And he's also notable because he worked with Darabont on The Mist and The Majestic. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also he also uh, worked with him on uh, or, or no, sorry, I, I actually don't know. if I don't think Darabont had any involvement with him, but he also worked on uh, Tales from the Crypt, uh, oh. the TV show. So, yeah, one of my favorites. Nice. And yeah. Yeah. He also uh, he also worked on. Oh, wait, did I did I write this down correctly? Hold on. Let me let me double check because I'm actually not sure if I put this in the wrong place. Mm. But yeah, so I think that the the Walking Dead has I don't know I I especially these early episodes like it's kind of it's one of those things where some there there are plenty of TV shows that are or like TV shows and movies that take place in the apocalypse and it's like oh it's easy because all you have to do is just film it on a back lot somewhere that's kind of run down and it looks like the apocalypse but I actually think that he like the production design on this because is great because it really does look like a world that you know a couple weeks ago was perfectly alive and vibrant and is now um it's now you know it's dead and it has there's been you know a great uh kind of a disaster in slow motion um yeah sorry i I did write this down correctly because for some reason i thought it was supposed to be for someone else but uh 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 gregory s melton uh i believe his his very first movie that he was the production designer on was children of the corn to the final sacrifice oh Oh. very important um (laughs) So yeah, um, I don't know. So that's that's kind of uh, yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of my thoughts. Uh, like I said, I I don't actually have a ton to say about Rick right now, just because he's yeah he's he's kind of uh, he's kind of here right now to kind of give us help us uh, understand what's going on, and we understand you know his motivation, but he doesn't really uh, he doesn't really have a whole lot of interaction with other characters. So yeah, yeah. Hey, but he seems pretty legit, you know. He seems like a nice enough fella. Yeah. yeah. It's actually funny you mentioned like his his accent. I've actually don't I don't think I've ever watched anything with him where he's speaking without the the fake accent. So I actually don't know exactly what he sounds like. I mean, I know that he's from, you know, the UK, but uh, right. I actually I, I I still think he does a better southern accent than some american actors who don't have a southern accent trying to do a southern accent <laughs> so, sure. like, if people are giving a shit about that i mean i feel like they're yeah they're, there's I've, I've heard worse from people who are closer to the actual south than he is so <laughs> that's so true i agree yeah oh, um so well do you want to do you want to move on to our next character and uh i, I think you know we, we've talked a lot about this but before we were recording I know this is one of your favorite characters of all time. 
you're a big fan. So if you if you want to start uh, start on this next one and just tell us why you are such a huge Shane head. Oh, Shane. Yeah. Or as, as my notes say, friggin' Shane. <laughs> oh, friggin', friggin Shane. Shane, man. You know, it's really funny, though. He's got, he did, this guy, John, John Bernthal, Bur- is that his name? Bur- uh, Bur- I think it's pronounced Bernthal, but, Bernthal, you know, thank you. Whatever. Come, come at me, John. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. <laughs> come at her, not me. I'm scared of you. You seem like a scary person. <laughs> right? Like, that's the thing. He was so good that, like, you really kind of want to like punch the guy at a certain oh, yeah. point, you know, um, man. And, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, we're not, we're not talking about the future, but knowing what we know, <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, you can see that, you know, he, he makes the little, little microaggressions and little tiny yeah. little faces. He It's like, Oh my God, you're so damn good. You jerk. And it's like, that's why I want to punch you in the face, Shane. Um, but you know, for all of all intents and purposes, you know, at first it's like, oh, Shane doesn't seem to be such a bad guy. Yeah, he, he might be a little bit of a misogynist. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's telling some jokes that you know might seem a little bit inappropriate, but overall, you know, they're not super overtly awful. So, right. But, yeah, he's just I that mean, guy. Everybody knows one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think okay. I I can say yeah. We we don't want to spoil anything. We don't want to get into future content, but. I, I can say, like, I think you start to see, I, I don't know, I feel like you start to see some clues or, or uh, I have, I have not watched past the first episode, as I've said, so I don't know. But I suspect based on his interaction with Lori that uh, maybe he's actually not the nicest guy in the world, because that was one scene where I was like, hmm, interesting. So you basically yes, have. These, I agree. Yes. Well, for me, it's like, so this is a perfect example of like, you have these two characters that actually are both making pretty good points, right? Because, you know, Lori is talking about, hey, we should be like warning people away from the city because they know (laughs) that, uh, you know, the the city is just basically a dead zone. And then Shane is like, oh, no, well, we we can't spare, you know, we can't spare any people because we're kind of surviving day to day here. Both perfectly good points. But then he basically just like rolls, like, you know, steamrolls her and just like, basically no one leaves without my permission. And that's when you start to be like, huh, okay. Shane's, Shane's a bit of a control freak. Yeah. Yeah. Shane's a little gross. Yeah. Shane's a little gross. And uh, he likes to, you know, make out with Carl's mom. And yeah, I, I, I do. I do love that reveal, though, because I. I <laughs> what? no because i just i remember it was funny because i remember when watching it again because i've never seen it before um yeah. hypothetically what my reaction yeah. would have been the first time that i saw it and i remember just being like oh <gasps> yeah, yeah. And, and you don't realize it until then because right. especially on the rewatch because he's because he, he even makes the point and this is kind of clever because he makes the point of telling morgan that oh yeah she took all of the uh the photo albums mm-hmm. and it's like, Ooh, Oh, Oh yeah. So that's why we haven't seen her. Cause normally that scene would be him going in and looking at the pictures and stuff, but there are none. Right. Right. So, and it's like, you're yeah. right. We haven't seen her before. And like, Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of <sighs> appreciate, I totally forgot about kind of that whole reveal because Ugh. obviously, yeah. In retrospect, you're like, Oh wow. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, yes, again, totally. again, just yeah, just the way that he he kind of uh, he he kind of goes from scene to scene is is really good. 
Yeah. And it totally makes you like reevaluate the conversation they had in the car earlier. And yeah. Ugh, freaking yeah. Shane, man. Freaking Shane. Well, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like we'll probably have a lot to say about Shane in future episodes. But I, I yeah, I, I agree. Probably. I, we'll I have to see John, where they go with it. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he'll turn out to be the hero. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I will say I will say I really like John Bernthal. And yeah, even mm-hmm. though even though when you when you're you kind of get a skeevy feeling from Shane, you're like, damn, this guy is like really good. Like, you know, um, yeah. Anyways, it, maybe maybe since we mentioned them, I mean, do we have anything to say about Lori and Carl? Lori and Coral. Lori and Coral. Boy, no, it's funny, right? Because they were just like, oh, there, there they are. Yeah. I just I remember uh, just not being very compelled by uh, really either one of them. I mean, you know, he's a cute little kid, whatever. Um, but it was just like, okay, here's a here's some people. And it, you know, and it worked out kind of nicely, too, because it just it wasn't played in a way where it was like, oh, that is obviously the family of this missing policeman. You know, it's just like they were just right there in the fold and not acting odd. Um, I will say I thought it was a little bit strange, maybe that nobody recognized his voice over the radio. But, you know, I I don't think. I, I, I thought that I thought that they they came up afterwards and didn't hear it because I was thinking the same thing. That would make more sense to me. Yeah, Let's yeah, go with that. Let's yeah, go. I, yeah, I, I think I think because she uh, Amy heard him and was trying to talk to him. But I, I thought that like she just relayed what he said, but they didn't actually hear him. Gotcha. That would that, make no, more sense. I think I think. Yeah. We've opened up a huge plot hole in this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or or it was just, you know, he was uh it was really like staticky and you know they couldn't hear either way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll I'll take other either excuse. But yeah, but, um, I mean God, they were there so very briefly and uh you know it was it was uh it was all right, you know, but at the same time, you know, when you look back on it after you know the reveal and you're just like oh bitch yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> well well it's also i love the fact that they do that after that scene because then then you were then your mind your your brain immediately goes back and you're like oh wait wait but but he just kissed her and oh wait what what you know? right it's like so it it's, sends your mind reeling and just like wait what yeah just- <laughs> which is yeah which is really clever it's a really clever it like is. kind of uh you know dangling uh you know plot point so I don't know. Uh, Again, brilliant, brilliant work by Mr. Darabont. Good job, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and while we're in the camp, is there anything? Is there anything you want to say about Amy, uh, Emma Bell as Amy Harrison, or Jeffrey Demoon uh, Demon as Dale Horvath at all? Uh, they, both have, they both have like one line, <laughs> right? I thought they were both um, uh, darling, <laughs> just darling yeah. people. Yes. Um, I, I will say, and, and I, I, I will not be spoiling anything uh, because for, for future episodes, because I haven't watched any of them. I have no idea. But I, I predict that Dale Horvath will become one of my favorite characters because Jeffrey Demon was also in The Mist, which is uh, if you I, I don't think we've been introduced to any of the other ones yet, but there are, I think, three or four other characters in the show that were in The Mist. So. My Which goodness! Really, yeah, yeah, it's really it's really fun because I actually uh, a couple of years ago I rewatched The Mist for for the first time since The Walking Dead came out. I was like, wait a minute, there are all these. Which you know, The Mist came out in two thousand seven, so that was that predates the The Walking Dead. So I love mm-hmm. the fact that he brought a bunch of people 
uh, like back from the mist and like recast them. So, which which I was I was I was joking when I said you know he recast the horse, but apparently, uh, or he he kept casting the horse because he liked it so much. But apparently, that's Frank Darabont is actually really good about you know finding people that he likes to work with and and giving them good roles. So we'll see we'll see if yeah. uh, we'll see who else shows up in later episodes. Yeah, I think there are really only other two other characters that we we haven't touched on. So do we want to talk about uh, the uh, you know Papa Jones and uh, Dwayne Jones? Yeah, done. We should. Um, we should. Yeah, what do you? We'll, we'll get, we'll kick us off. Man, um, <laughs> poor. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, man. Okay, so Rick, old Rick, yeah. is sitting there on the sidewalk, and then you yeah. know something is approaching, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, that's what got me all excited. Um, and then you see, you know, you see this thing slowly creeping up behind him. And it's so funny because I was like, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. And then, you know, he gets nailed in the head with a. Yeah. A, I was going to say a, a sword. It's not a sword. It's a shovel. Um, <laughs> and uh, oh, my gosh. Old Dwayne. Poor little Dwayne. He wasn't he wasn't quite paying attention to what he was doing. He knocked out Rick. <laughs> yeah, it's being, being a little overzealous, but you know, given given the situation, I can't blame him. That was so great. Oh God. But yeah, that was, that was fun. I, gosh, Morgan is, uh, he's so good. He's just so good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love, I love Lenny James. So he, he is actually, he's been in a lot of stuff. He was in a show. I, I actually, when, when the walking dead first aired, I recognized him because he was in a show. I think it was a few years before this called Jericho, which actually oh. was, yeah, it wasn't really, it actually was a pretty bad show. It, somehow got like a second season because I guess it had like a diehard following and a bunch of people like demanded a second season, but uh, it, it wasn't a great show, but it actually did have a really great cast. It had him, it had Skeet Ulrich, it had uh, DB Sweeney in it. So I, I recognized him from that. I was like, Oh, it's that guy. And yeah, I, I, man, what, what do you have to say about this whole, this whole arc, this whole mini arc that, that they have? Because I have, I actually have, I actually have a lot to say, but I've been talking too much. Oh my gosh. Um, it, it's, it's really interesting. I, and again, another one I was not familiar with, um, with Lenny as an actor before. Um, so, you know, I, it was a good, it, I enjoy kind of going into things like this without having any, you know, preconceived notions. Cause you know, like John Bernthal for now, forever, he's like, Oh, that guy probably a jerk you know that kind of a <laughs> thing it's like forever oh, oh yeah bedded, yeah like burned into my brain that he's a bad man um so it it's really it's very interesting i um it's you know you you, you know he kind of comes off maybe as a little bit harsh but then you know in retrospect it's really yeah. kind of appropriate <laughs> so yep. Yeah, it's you know you kind of feel like if you would you'd wished you could be that guy, like you'd wished you could be that strong and like held together if right. the shit hit the fan, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, man, this this their whole like like mini kind of little arc there or their 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 whole story is just man, it's it's actually really really heartbreaking, and I think that this is also something else that like. I really appreciate about this episode is it, you know, there most zombie movies or TV shows or whatever, will get into like the horror of, Oh, there are these things that can eat you. And it's also kind of this existential horror of, Oh, if you tur get turned into one, you know, what happens, you know, do you, are you still you, do you remember anything? Yeah. You're, you're just going to be shambling around. 
but like it really i mean obviously there's also you know all the gore which this show does have plenty of gore and stuff but it it gets to what i think the kind of you know the the like core kind of there's this like almost sadness to this world because you know when someone you know and love gets bitten and turns they're still out there and man just the whole yeah like when 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 Dwayne sees her out there and like goes to him and starts crying and she, and he just says you know she's out there and oh man it's just like <laughs> really really like touching stuff to me i don't know uh, it maybe is it's brutal no right I, it's funny you know because watching it back i you know and i was doing the same thing when i was like man like this is like really devastating i was like is this am i overthinking this too much <laughs> no no yeah. oh god and it's you know and when he was upstairs and he was trying to like you know oh my god take care of it and it was just like oh how you can't i mean how could you know it's like you yeah. just feel for the guy so much oh yeah it's rough. Well, oh, God. Can, I actually kind of want to talk about the whole sequence. Now, I will say, and I mentioned this a lot on the other podcast, but if you you know, if you know, haven't heard that before, I'll just say it up front because I'm going to say it a million times uh, again on this one. Uh, I just hate kids in general. I also <laughs> really hate kids. I really hate kids on screen because, you know, usually they're really like precocious and annoying. But uh, I will say <laughs> Adrian, Adrian, I think it's Adrian Callie or Kaylee Turner as Dwayne Jones. I mean, th man, this kid was uh, really, really great in this role. I thought that he really sold it. I thought that he really sold the, I don't know, just the, the, like the, the, the sadness of, you know, the, his parent dying, but then like, she's still out there and she's also a threat to him, which is really terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Really effective moment too, when they're in the house and she comes up, I love that sequence where she comes up to the, uh, the peephole and Rick is looking out and she's like looking in and she yes. almost has, you know, it's one of those zombie. It's, it's the, I love those mo the zombie moments where they're like they're acting like people and they almost, it almost makes you wonder if they're sentient, even though, you know, like in the mythology, there's supposed to be like basically working off of some reptile memory. That's not even really like reasoning or anything, but they're just doing something that they vaguely remember to do, which is to kind of like, you know, look in at, try to look in a peephole to, uh, I guess you know, <laughs> see if people are in there or something, but I don't know. I, yeah, I thought, I thought the whole thing was very effective. I think I also love the fact that his character, the way that he's like, obviously in this very like <laughs> cripplingly depressing situation. And he's, he's not only just trying to like protect his son, but he's also like correcting his grammar and like making sure that he's polite yes. and, you know, making sure that he's saying please and thank you. I don't know. I thought that was, that was kind of touching. Yeah, I totally, he is, it is such a great, it, they really, they, the foundation for him is, is really nicely laid out and, you know, he's still kind of as like a teacher, you know, teaching his son and, you know, potentially something he could potentially carry with him, uh, through the series. We'll have to see how that goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but man, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I love that he's just kind of still trying to hold up any sort of structure that he possibly can yeah oh it's rough it's rough yeah and i honestly i think that that whole that whole sequence is probably my favorite in this uh, the entire episode where they're cutting between him upstairs and man again it's just like well the way he's like you know yelling at his son not to come up and that whole thing is just very depressing but then also rick going back and 
you know, shooting the the zombie in the park. Mm. And I don't know, the whole thing is just it's very depressing. It's like I said, it's very sad. Like I think it taps into a sense of like like sadness, not even horror, but just sadness that is often lacking from, you know, zombie media. So I I really, really appreciated that that whole sequence. Um yeah. I also wanted I also wanted to mention, uh, so uh, the music in this show is uh, composed by Bear McCreary, who, first of all, uh, you know, has the best name ever. Yes. Uh, yeah, huge, huge fan of his, though. He so I think he kind of uh, I, th- I think he was like uh, he, he had been a composer before, but he kind of hit it big when he uh, composed the music for Battlestar Galactica, which is. Uh, you know, the, the, the reboot, the early 2000s reboot, which has just a phenomenal score. And uh-huh. he's just done, yeah, he's done a ton of stuff ever since. He also did the music for uh, the Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor Chronicles TV show, which is, I think, a really underrated show. But uh, yeah, love his music. And I love, love, love the piece that actually I went and looked it up. And appropriately enough, uh, I think it's called the, the piece that's playing during that whole sequence is called The Mercy of the Living, which is appropriate. And, uh, but oh. I, I just love that music. It's just so, like the music is so sad. And, oh. you know, I don't know. Yeah, the score is uh. the score for this whole series. Now, because Bear McCreary stays through the whole I believe series, so. Right? I believe so. Yeah, I yeah. feel like as long as I watched it, I saw that name pop up in the credits at least. Yeah. Um, he's, man. He's, yeah, I don't, I don't know how he, because he scores like a million things nowadays. I don't know how, how he finds enough hours in the day to... To, to score everything he does but okay. apparently he's in uh you know very very high demand so yeah um, man yeah. what a <laughs> worst problems to have i guess yeah yeah that's true he also did the the uh you know kind of a uh, connection uh because uh, uh frank darabont got started doing actually i don't think we even mentioned this but frank darabont has done a lot of stephen king stuff but actually his very first short film was uh, a dollar baby of one of stephen king's stories which for anyone who doesn't know what that is, Stephen King famously will, uh, there are some of his stories he will license for $1 for like burgeoning filmmakers to go and make a short film out of. So that was actually Darren Bond's first, uh, first foray into film. He did a short based on one of his stories, but uh, Bear McCreary also yeah. did the music for the unaired Dark Tower pilot, which I would love to see someday. Ooh, but yeah. Interesting. But yeah. Anyways, I uh, is there anyone else we want to talk about? I mean, that's, almost every character that shows up in the entire uh the entire episode so have we missed anyone uh any of the living i don't think i don't think we have yeah cool well do we want to move on and talk a little bit about the dead we should we should because they're kind of they're kind of important to the show um (laughs) i'll let you take it away once again i i feel like I've, i've been i've been over talking but since I watched this, <laughs> since I've watched this and you know started taking notes, I've actually been thinking about it quite a lot. So unfortunately, I've come up with a lot to say. But uh, tell us, you know, kick us off on the dead. That's okay. Well, I'm gonna go. I have a couple that that really stood out to me, and I think yeah. you know the first one we everyone should mention. Everybody knows is um, I cannot remember her name. Is oh, I'm just gonna ma- I'm gonna butcher it if I try to guess. But the little girl in the beginning. Oh yeah, oh, uh, poor uh, little Addie girl. Addie Miller. Oh, it is Addie Mill. I was gonna say yeah. Addie, and I thought I was gonna be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I still got <laughs> like, it. I'll go back. I can I can edit it so it sounds like you. You know. Her yeah, name I knew yeah. it the whole time. The yeah. Little girl, Addie Miller. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she she reminded me so much of um, Abigail Breslin's character uh-huh. in Signs. 
Like she's just uh, so oh, like yeah. little and cute, and then it's like, oh yeah. shit! <laughs> like, oh no, she's missing half of her face. Yeah. Oh. Which I, I I love the fact. I mean, that was obviously like a very conscious decision to like the first zombie you see in the entire show is this little girl, and she's like she's got a teddy bear and everything. <laughs> right. Like oh. yeah, yeah, and it's you know, and it's uh so you know, I've got my. I go back and forth with my my zombie lore, um, and I because I I really don't like the overly sentient, you know, big daddy zombies. Yeah, um, you know that are that just have way too much going on. Um, but this kind of this worked a little bit for me, you know, you know, because at first, you know, she picks up the thing, and you're like, well, is she? She's she's probably a zombie doing the little shuffle there, but then she reaches down and picks it up and you're like, Oh, yeah. well, maybe she's not. She picked up the teddy bear. Um, and which is kind of also a little bit reminiscent of, uh, the mom who is trying to, you know, open the door and to, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm willing, I'm willing to accept that level of, um, interaction <laughs> from a zombie. It's, uh, it feels it feels a little Romero esque uh, to me, with you know, like a little bit of bub. Um, right. Yeah, but but not too much. It wasn't overly done. So right. Yeah, I, I was okay with it. It worked. I liked it. But yeah, that was uh, uh and then the look on Rick's face when she turns around, he's like, oh, "I gotta kill you now." Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I also like the, the the fact that he's like you know he's calling out to her, and even he thinks like, uh, I mean, presumably by this point you know he's you know well aware of zombies, but even yeah. even he's not sure. You know, even he thinks that she's an actual human, so it makes it all the more shocking when she turns around. Yeah. Yes. Uh... Well, yeah. Do yeah. you want to do you want to keep going? Sorry. What yeah, if... I was sorry. I was I was zoning out because I was no, just no, no, like no. reminiscing about that moment, and then yeah, it made me think about something that happens in the future. But I, yeah, my psychic uh, oh, having a psychic yeah. moment. It's weird. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, and then you know you touched on her a little bit earlier, which is the bicycle lady, which. That yeah. poor, poor thing. What am, my note actually said that there, there's nothing sadder than a dying zombie. <laughs> yeah. like, where was she going? <laughs> Just pulling yeah. herself across the yard to, to where? Oh, so sad. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that, that she, I mean, this is a phenomenally well done, you know, makeup. It's yeah. just oh super, God. super disgusting. It's gross. She, you know, it's gory. It's, she's like rotting, but still like he manages to make you actually feel like sympathetic and sad for her instead of like revolted when at the scene where where rick goes to shoot her so i thought that was i don't know i just love that yeah it really yeah and then it really was it was very sad she's like reaching out her hand like oh yeah because you know there's that part inside of you that's like you know like in uh in every Halloween movie where Jason reaches his hand, not Jason, uh, Michael reaches yeah. his hand out. I don't know. I keep wanting yeah. to call him Jason. Oh, oh God. Oh, you know, it's like, Oh, maybe, maybe right. there's something there. No, there's nothing there. It's oh, I thought, I thought it was that she, he, she was reaching out to try to like get him to eat him. Probably was. He, yeah. Yeah. But she was so far away that it was like almost, I was like a help me. Yeah, oh, like, I'm literally on, I'm reaching my hand out right now. Like, the zombie. <laughs> please now, don't shoot me. I, I one thing I do because because, you know, a lot of times people will kind of trade in on, uh, you know, small roles that they that are kind of become famous. I feel like the bicycle zombie or the bicycle girl, whatever they call or whatever they call her is like 
one of the most iconic zombies in the entire history of the show. Like, I feel like everyone who knows about The Walking Dead knows about the zombie. I feel like she's been, she was using like all the promotional material, you know, ads, stuff like that. But uh, she was played by Melissa Cowan, who's only been in a couple of things. So apparently she, I don't know, it's kind of kind of wondering why how she didn't trade in on that that notoriety. But I don't know. I don't know if she's like a professional actress or not, or, you know, maybe she was just in the right place at the right time. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Hmm. She said but, it wasn't uh, for her. Although, uh, yeah, I don't maybe 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 if she's if, uh, you know, if she's not busy acting, maybe she's, uh, you know, we can get her on the podcast to talk about being the, the bicycle zombie. So. That's true. Excuse me, Walker. I keep calling them zombies. They're not called zombies in the show. They're called walkers. How dare I? Yes. How dare you do that? <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah. What? Uh, who else? Who else you got? Um, the next uh, walker that I have is the fellow that was coming up on Rick when he was sitting on the sidewalk outside of oh. uh, Morgan's house. Yeah. And. This fella really stood out to me. I don't, and maybe it's just, I'm probably, it's probably a whole lot of me just making shit up in my head because I think it sounds cool. Um, but he reminded me so much of the walker, the first walker from Night of the Living Dead. Oh. Because he was wearing a yeah. suit, right? And he's kind of like a tall, thin dude, like oh, wearing a suit, yeah. kind of lumbering along. And he rolls up and he kind of had a little bit of a, like a bluish hue to him. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, is this a Romero zombie? Like, nod. You know, I, I would, I would want, I'd beg you to go back and watch that little scene again, just to get another eyeball on that, that walker. I almost called him a zombie. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, I just was like, oh, he felt very, um, I felt like it was a nod. I could just be making it up, but it felt I'll, like, oh, yeah. no, I'll, I'll actually roll with it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I actually know exactly what you're talking about. And I don't think it really occurred to me like consciously, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll roll with that a hundred percent. Cause that's, Yeah. <laughs> That uh, even if it's not intentional, um, yeah, yeah, I definitely see that connection. Yeah, why not? Yeah, um, yeah. So that was my. I I thought that one was. Um, I found that to be fun, uh, especially you know, having gone through so many of the uh, the Living Dead uh, movies. Right. Now I feel very in the zone. Right. I'm in yeah. the zone. You know, the Romero zombie zone. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, it really, he kind of jumped out to me. Um, gosh, other zombies, though, beyond that, I am, um, am I missing anybody notable? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's see. I, I think the only other one, so, well, actually, sorry, I actually had two written down. Um, I couldn't actually find him in, uh, I went back and kind of looked. I don't know where he actually is, but apparently there's a, well, he's uncredited, so he's not actually credited as this, mm -hmm. but uh, Pajama Walker. Or a, a zombie that had like a, a pajamas on um but noted uh i only noted him because he was uh, supposedly played by gary witta who is a screenwriter who's actually written a bunch of shitty movies but he also wrote uh rogue one so which i think is like the best new star wars movie oh. so yeah i thought that was kind of kind of cool so i'm assuming that uh i'm assuming that like maybe him and darabont like know each other and he like gave him a gave him a little cameo um, the other, the other one I actually did want to call out though is uh, the tank soldier, uh, the 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 guy who's oh. in the, uh, excuse me the walker although he's not actually walking and who's in the tank, yes. um, and he was kind of notable to me because he was played by Sam Whitwer and who was also in the mist, so I thought that was kind of fun. Oh. 
yeah, he was like an actual character in the mist. I mean, he wasn't like a huge character, but uh, he was. Yeah. So I like the fact that I'm assuming he like brought him back as a little cameo. Um, and I'm assuming it's not just like coincidence that he was in there. But so, yeah, I thought that I is also, so funny. You yeah. know, he had kind of a recognizable face, but you just figured, well, you know, he's not I don't want to say he wasn't a person. He's not you know, wasn't like a main character in the show. Yeah. So it's like, well, hey, maybe he just looks like someone. Right, that right. is so interesting. Yeah. I also just love that whole scene because like the, you know, the whole thing about this show, it, it, eventually, you know, they, they'll always have to be like, oh, is he, you know, is that person dead? Is it a zombie? You know, they're waiting. But the fact that like Rick still doesn't know to check and the fact <laughs> that he just like sits down next to him and takes his gun and then, yeah, he just like turns around or, you know, kind of wakes up. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I did. Yeah. I, there, there are a couple of things I wanted to talk about just in general that I thought were kind of interesting about like the rules about how zombies kind of work mm. in this universe. Mm -hmm. So there were two things that kind of stood out to me, which is uh, a zombies seem kind of lazy. Um, <laughs> like, it's funny, you know, because like if they if they're not like if they're not stalking prey or something doesn't have them like riled up, they actually do just kind of like sit down and like go dormant which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, Cause I know like, uh, 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 Oh man, what's his name? Uh, Morgan mentions that they're more active during the night, but you, you definitely, so I don't know if it's partly that, but there were a couple times like when they come out after uh, they come out of the house and after he's kind of explained everything to Rick and there's the one that, uh, you know, the shot starts and you see like the, the, this body sitting uh, near the fence and you're not sure. And then they start coming out of the, the house and then it starts getting up and you know it's actually a zombie and then there are the ones in the in the bus when he's going to town where yes. you don't know you're like oh they look you know dead because it looks like the bus got like burned out or something but then as he goes by they start to kind of stir so. yeah it's like they got activated yeah sea monkeys yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so uh i thought i thought that was kind of interesting um i thought it was kind of interesting that you know we we do learn in the very first episode that zombies are after, I guess, living flesh, not just humans. There are some movies or stories where, you know, zombies are only going after people and they do not go after animals, which obviously is not the case in this, uh, in this one, much to the chagrin of uh, that, that horse. And, and then, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, I can watch a thousand people getting torn apart, man, you start, right. you start going after animals and yeah. That's and right. That is, We're going to have to have no, talk. Yeah. Yep. Um, the, the other Writing thing I kind of, yeah, exactly. Animal cruelty, man. Um, <laughs> no, the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting, and I, so there, there are a lot of zombie movies or TV shows where, like, you have like magical zombies and zombies that you know they're very slow moving, but somehow they always manage to like show up at one in you know at the at the right place at the right time. And even though they're slow moving, all of a sudden there seem to be a ton of them. Yeah. I like that they 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 so that did kind of happen to the end. But it seems to me like there's a rule that zombies like to congregate. It kind of seems like zombies are almost social in the sense that when they start reaching critical mass, other zombies will kind of, uh, I don't know, get kind of pulled into the mass. And that's why very often, like when he's going into town, you don't see a lot of zombies and he kind of, you know, turns the corner and there are like hundreds of them. So yeah. I thought, I don't know, maybe I'm making that up. Uh, maybe I'm just, you know, excusing some lazy screenwriting, but. You know, it's, it, it kind of works though. I kind of like yeah. it, you know, and, and then when you think about like, you know, humans that I know, see, I know it's, it, 
for people like us, it's difficult to relate, but they do say that humans are social animals. Yeah, yeah which is, yeah, bullshit, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it kind I, of would almost make sense a little bit that they would, uh, you know, and I guess if they're all, I mean, they all have the same goal in mind. So it would make sense right. that they would all kind of, uh, oh. Yeah. yeah, and it also makes it way more terrifying too, which is just oh. Yeah, well, that's that's the other thing. Like, it's it's kind of the social thing, but it's also like the predator thing, where if they if like if there is a sound or something attracting them, and they all kind of get, uh, you know, they get drawn to the same place, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's it's the social thing. It's not so much like the social, like I want to be around other zombies. It's just, if I see a bunch of zombies walking in one direction, I assume there's food that way. So I kind of follow. So, right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It would depend on whether or not they follow the Bill Mulligan theory of zombies, just wanting to create more zombies. Yeah, exactly. Or the, or my theory of zombies just want to have fun, which you know, <laughs> I, still, I think they're, I think they're just misunderstood, but I don't know. <laughs> Simulopper um, zombie. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, anyways, <laughs> um, any other any other zombie stuff? Or God, I, I need to quit doing that. Any other walking walker stuff? Oh man, we walker we want to talk about. No, um, no. The only thing I guess that stuck stuck out to me is that um, I actually paid enough attention to hear Morgan say, "Oh, those are walkers." <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. okay, he said it. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, that that's all that that kind of also struck me because I was I was like okay you know did did like who came like because everyone uses that term in the show but mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like one of those funny things where it's like okay like how did that really start though because like did obviously he's using that term but did he hear it somewhere else or did a bunch of people just spontaneously start using it like you know how did that become like the the common uh, nomenclature for the living dead. So it's I don't know. true. Over right? overthinking it a million percent, but um, yeah, it's true though. It could have been like on the MSNBC ticker uh, thing at the oh, bottom. Oh, there you go. You know, there you go. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It could have, who knows? Yeah, it's true. Okay. Or it could yeah. have just made it up two yeah. seconds before Rick walked in the door. <laughs> that, that makes sense. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Let's do it all on Rachel Maddow. And then, and then Rick started, and then Rick started using it. Other people just started uh, imitating him. Yeah. So. Could be, could be. Um, <laughs> That's what I would do. Yeah, I mean, Rick. You know, he he seems like the sort of guy who knows what's going on. So that's right. If you're, if you're gonna repeat anything, it's uh, it's probably gonna be gonna be old grimy Rick. <laughs> who is there? Anything else, or do we want to? Do we want to kind of wrap up? Or, or do, is I guess I should say, is there anything else for the dead, or is there anything else just in general we want to say about this episode before we wrap up? It it I the I think the only thing I really have to say is just that it was um it was it was tough it was you know it was one of those shows you watch and you think back to yourself like God I can't believe I used to watch this every Sunday like Sundays are <laughs> yeah. already depressing and then it's like oh God <laughs> yeah. Jesus um and yep. you know I think also the excitement of the show kind of uh I don't know it kind of balanced it out a little bit because now it's just like oh God it's oh it's I mean it's not like don't, you know, a diff it's not a bad show. So it's not like, oh, it's terrible direction or terrible acting or something like that. But the topic and what's going on is just, uh, it's almost too, it's almost too real. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Uh, and then, That's yeah. And true. then you just have those other moments of like, man, what, what must it really have felt like to just to be in that moment of like, there's really nobody around me at all. And waking up in that hospital, like all by yourself and yeah. just, yeah, 
the magnitude of it. It was just like, oh God. Yeah, well, like I said at the top, like I'm one of those psychopaths that where in like times of need or times of depression, I I tend to actually like <laughs> tend towards stuff that's even more depressing. So <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm just weird. Uh, double we'll, down. We'll, yeah, I got to double down on it. We'll we'll balance it out next. Uh, the, our next season of this podcast, uh, we'll cover a cop rock, which is a very uplifting <laughs> TV show. So uh, yeah, look forward yes. to that. <laughs> We're gonna have a live performance. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. I, I mean, I will, I will definitely sing. Oh my god! If you've ever go and go and look, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, go to YouTube, look up Cop Rock, <laughs> and read the backstory and watch some of the actual scenes, and your mind will be blown. Your mind will be blown by more so than anything you've seen on this episode of The Walking Dead. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, it just Darren Bond, Darren Bond cannot compete with the uh, the the true uh, the the true chaos of Cop Rock. Anyways, let's let's wrap it up. Let's get to our kind of final section here, which is uh, where we're, we're going to rank this one. And we're going to rank every single episode, all 9,427 <laughs> episodes of The Walking Dead, starting with this one. So we're going to slap on a rating and I think we're going to we're going to give it at a five. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't think of a clever. I should have thought of this beforehand, but uh, I can't think of a clever rating. Uh, so for this one, we'll just do five stars. And uh, I'll let you go first, Renee. What uh, give us your your summary of how you feel about this episode, and uh, you know how you how you'd rate it? Man, oh man, oh man! It was a great. It's a great introduction. It's a. It was a good. You know they throw they throw just enough at you. They don't overwhelm you with too much. They they let you sink into it. Get really feel the mood. Um, boy, I. It's tough, you know, boy, it's tough. It's tough reading these things. I'm going to give it a four. Um, it was great. Um, but just, you know, I think, I know, I know that there, there could be more. I know there could be more. <laughs> so I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a four. It left me, um, you know, it's definitely one of those episodes where you're like, oh, you know, when the watching it, you know, on TV when the credits pop up, you know, back in the day, the credits pop up and you're just like, Oh God, no, it's over. Why do I have to wait a whole week for this to come up again? So it, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a four. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, it just so happens that I am right there with you because I am also going to give this one a four and which is incredibly high for me. I kind of grade on a curve. So like a four is, uh, probably one of the best episodes of TV, you know, in the last couple of decades. So yeah, I give it a four. I think, I mean, I've already gushed enough about him, but I think, you know, Frank Darabont taking on this series and kind of realizing this world for television. I mean, it was a perfect fit. I think he made some great creative decisions, some great casting decisions. And like I said, he really brought a sense of, you know, cinematic scope. Uh, well, cinematic scope, but also, like the kind of small personal quality. So I think he did a great job of balancing both of those things. So yeah, a four for me and a four for you, which I believe I'm no mathematician, but I think the average is out to a four for uh, episode one of The Walking Dead, Days Gone By. So yeah, great. He's nice. I we like liked it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, stay tuned next week because Renee and I are finally going to get to watch... Uh, episode two of the walking dead we've never seen it before we have no idea what's going to happen we can't wait 
But uh, join us next week. Guess what? If you subscribe, if you hit the subscribe button, your podcast service will tell you when there's a new episode out and you don't have to check back. So maybe just do that. And whenever we do come back, we'll be talking about episode two of season one of The Walking Dead, which is, um, I have this written down, is entitled Guts, which there are plenty of uh, in this episode. So uh, we'll well, I'm I'm assuming that that references to uh, you know the sort of guts that the 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 walkers eat, but hey, we'll have to we'll have to find out. Uh, Renee, any any final words before we uh, sign off here? Um, no. Perfect. Neither do I. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>